0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the SoxProspects.com podcast. I want to thank you for hitting the download button and joining us. It is June the 1st, 2016, and it is currently 9.30 p.m., which means uh, I think it means Mookie Betts just went deep again because it's a day ending and why. Uh, We want to thank you for joining us as we... Turn the calendar on another month. Turn the page on the calendar. We've got new rankings to talk about. We've got some of your listener questions to talk about. An action packed episode of the pod headed your way. My name is Chris Hatfield. I'm coming to you from Sox Prospects Mid Atlantic here in our nation's capital at my desk. The cat is sitting about two feet away from me, listening to my dulcet tones. Luckily, you guys understand me better than she does, because she's just looking really bored. I am joined, as always, by my two compadres here on the podcast. First, our managing editor, Mr. Matt Hegel. Matt, what's going on? Just
1: uh, watching and admiring Mookie Betts these last two nights. It's Mookie's world. We're all just living
0: in it. If, if The feats, the feats, as, as Alex Spear, our friend, would say, are uh, alive and well. And uh, the Red Sox just tied the game at eight. Uh, the, that we have going on right now not Surprisingly, Mookie Betts not involved in the run that just scored We're also joined, of course, by our Director of Scouting, Mr. Ian Kundle Ian, how are you doing, my man?
2: I'm hanging in uh, yeah. Just catching up on the Red Sox game And
0: yeah. We got to hang so out recently
2: We did, we won't, we, did. we caught a game in Pawtucket And unfortunately, something happened in the game that I'm guessing we'll talk about a yeah.
0: yeah, that wasn't good that was good. I missed Matt by a day, but I was able to catch a game up we'll talk with you and uh, Chaz Fiorino, our assistant director of scouting. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Sam Travis and what happened with him in that game, but it was good to get to McCoy Stadium. Missed Matt. Matt, you were there the day before. Uh, you got a great article that we put up today on Aaron Wilkerson, which yep. I suggest everybody go to the news page and read. It was a great bit of... Uh, you know, post-game reporting, talking to the guy pitching, talking to the manager, seeing what worked for him, what didn't, in his uh, second AAA start. So uh, by the time people listen to this, I think he'll have made his third AAA start uh, because this is probably not getting up until until Friday, I guess. But uh Programming notes. Uh, we mentioned the, you know, this episode, we'll be talking about the new rankings, which went up yesterday. We'll be talk, taking some of your listener emails, which you can always send in to podcast at com. We want your questions. We want your thoughts. We want to talk about what you want to hear about, so send them in. We always appreciate it. Uh, we'll hit on that this episode, and I should mention the next episode, which is going to go up early next week. Uh, which Next week's the draft, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, first-year player draft, the Major League first-year player draft. The Red Sox pick 12th overall, not quite 7th overall, where they've been two of the prior three drafts. But uh, to talk about that, we're going to talk to J.J. Cooper of Baseball America making his debut on the SoxProspects.com podcast. Uh, we're very excited to have J.J. on to talk some draft. Talk about uh, who the Red Sox might be looking at at number 12, what players they might be uh, might be thinking about taking in that spot. So we're really looking forward to having J.J. on making his debut. Uh, I'm very excited for that interview. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to be flying solo, but um, you, you guys will be with me in spirit. You'll be with me in spirit. I'll, you'll, you'll have my back in a more uh, metaphysical sense than, than on the line. That's right. Uh, but enough, enough uh, BSing around. I, I guess we should probably just jump right into it, guys, and uh, I guess first we should probably talk about about news, and uh, I guess we might as well jump right into it, the, 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 I guess since the last episode of the podcast, basically, Pawtucket has been cursed, it, it seems like. Uh, the first thing that happened, of course, well, I guess other than Henry Owens forgetting how to throw a strike, um, well, not in a literal sense, I guess we've seen that with guys literally, but um Henry Owens just can't seem to uh, to throw strikes these days. Uh, Brian Johnson, who in the latest rankings on the on the website held steady at number seven uh, on our list, he has been placed on the temporary temporary inactive list uh, to to seek treatment for anxiety, and he's apparently down in Fort Myers. Uh, we really don't have much more information than that, but. Uh, just kind of a rough, uh, a rough break for a guy who who seemed to be going pretty well at least entering the year. We were injury injury scare at the end of last year. Looked like he came back. Uh, beginning of the season, they were kind of handling him with kid gloves a little bit. But he got hurt
2: during spring training too.
0: Oh, that's right too. Yeah, with his toe, right? Or I think it was knee. Or... Yeah, no, no I think it was his toe. It was his, it was his was toe. toe. Oh yeah, yeah, his big
2: toe sprain. His big something. toe.
0: Yeah. yeah, that I thought I thought something happened. That's right. So he he started the season a little bit behind and never really got on quite on track and uh, then we hear about this we'll try and find out more but uh, there there isn't really much out there right now uh, kind of a tough break for a guy um who they really he he would have an opportunity right now to be the next guy up really if you think about it right
2: I mean yeah. with, with the way Joe Kelly pitched tonight I don't think he's very long for the starting rotation so right He's And tonight being, uh, what is it, Wednesday against the Orioles, I think he gave up seven runs in three innings or two and a third innings or something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there the rotation with Rodriguez back, um, he looks like he'll settle into one of the number four spot, but that number five spot is just kind of up in the air right now.
0: Right. I mean, if you needed a guy right now, you're probably going with Ruanas Elias, right? I mean.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, O'Sullivan, Cuevas is also an option, but none of those are really, you know, Light light yeah. up uh, light up the chart, so to speak.
0: Yeah, O'Sullivan is what he is, and Cuevas. I mean, I was stunned they even call him up for that one bullpen spot. Cuevas <laughs> is a <man>. younger O'Sullivan. <laughs> kind of yeah. best yeah. case. Yeah, best case. Good way to put it. Good way to put it. Um, so great tough break for him. For... He is what he is.
1: Yeah, more of a spot starter type guy. Uh, great if, depth
0: guy. If if that, <laughs> if that.
1: right, but. Yeah, it's a tough break for Johnson, but let's I mean, know, maybe let's it's
0: maybe it's Aaron Wilkerson next.
1: <laughs> Frankly, Dark I mean, Horse Brandon Workman. I just happened to see his name.
0: <laughs> yeah, Brandon Workman actually. Uh, Alex Spear reporting. I know we got a, a question. I got a question about this on Twitter. Um, Brandon Workman is apparently throwing in games in Fort Myers, so. Um, Slowly working his way back from Tommy John surgery. Yeah, and uh, I think
3: they have him throwing on a normal starter. Do that uh, routine, but not. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean anything at this point because I think it's like two innings type stints. But right, uh, right,
0: know. true. We'll see what they do there. I mean, I, th- I don't know. I feel like the startership has sailed with him. So, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, the other the other issue in Pawtucket uh, when Ian, myself, and Chaz were at the game. Uh, Sam Travis on defense, uh, chasing a guy in a rundown back uh, up to second base. Just kind of his knee buckled as he ran and apparently tore his ACL. Uh, He kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but he basically went down immediately. Like, you know, sniper got him. Um, You know, the base runner for Indianapolis immediately called for the trainer. Uh, Travis needed help off. Yeah, he didn't even,
2: it was one of those... Didn't even put weight on it. No, it's just a freak incident, though. Like, yeah. How often do you see you know guys in a rundown? Base runner gives up. The guy tags him, and this base runner had basically given up. And Travis went to tag him and dropped the ball, and all of a sudden he's on the ground, and that was right. when you knew. Right. That, and the tr- guys were calling for the trainer immediately, so you knew something was wrong immediately. And mm-hmm. yeah, it it was it wasn't good to see. Um, he had been playing well in Pawtucket. He, yep. you know, the strikeouts were a little high, if I want to say. But he's starting to show some power. I think he was up to six home runs, hitting two seventy. And given the lack of depth they have in the high minors, uh, position player wise, you know he was on the verge of a call up. You know if something had happened yep. to Hanley Ramirez or Travis Shaw, I think there's a very good chance Travis was going to be up in the big leagues at some point this summer. And you know it's a it's a big it's a sneaky big loss for them because if one of those guys goes now goes down, you know you're looking at Chris
0: Morero. Um, well, I mean, the way I put it, though, is that because of their depth, you put Shaw over at first, um, and you can play, you know, Marco Hernandez and Rutledge, and yeah. I mean, Brock Holt, in theory, comes back soon, and he he can play third, so their the versatility on the major league roster allows them to accommodate this, but two injuries becomes catastrophic, you're right.
2: Yeah, and, and this is, it does show the value of Marco Hernandez, I mean, I think he will probably discuss him a little bit in the rankings, but he's someone that I think we kind of underrated going into the year, get his position versatility. Yeah. And that is pretty important coming off the bench for them. I don't uh, think we underrated him, but he, maybe, he's, maybe I agree with that. the value. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, and it's also a tough break for him because, you know, going into next year, that first base position looked to be open. Yep. Um, ever, ever kind of thought that Hanley was going to move to DH and that first base position was going to be up for grabs, whether it be him or they go outside of the organization and get someone. And now, you know, it's, I just can't see them going into next year anticipating him to be fully 100% to start the season. So,
0: right.
1: Yeah. And Hanley's not looking so bad at first, so it gives I mean I think he provides that option next year to keep him there.
0: Yeah, I mean there's there's that option and the other option you have is you go into the year knowing that for example between first base, third base and DH, you have Shaw, Hanley and maybe that's where you work in a Brock Holt or a Marco Hernandez. Um, you know, at least until Travis potentially is ready. I don't think they necessarily need to go get anybody. Uh, might depend on how Travis is healing. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they would have rather have gotten a look at Travis at the end of this year rather than, you know, having to play it by ear next year. But
2: uh, And it's also just how absurd is it that both Travis and his college teammate Kyle Schwarber have gone right. down with ACL tears on defense this year right. already? Right. It's just crazy.
0: Right. I mean, at least Travis was playing a position he should have been playing. But That's uh, true. <laughs> and,
2: yeah, and his was, his was more like, you know, the football injury, the non-contact. You know, you just plant and something gives versus Schwarber's was he got trucked by the center fielder. Yeah, I but mean, in, in,
0: in hindsight, I'm kind of kicking myself for not thinking ACL immediately based on how it happened. I know. I don't know if you want to say what yeah, your speculation I, I was. I thought it was
2: ankle or Achilles because one of the guys said they heard a pop. And the way he was hopping around didn't make me think it was knee, because uh, it's having seen witnessed an ACL in, or sorry, uh, uh, Achilles tear. That's kind of what happens is you know it just goes and you just fall down,
0: mm-hmm. and you could
2: mm-hmm. see he was in a lot of pain on the ground. But oh sure, yeah, yeah, it was the knee. Which I mean, I think it's probably better that it was the knee than the Achilles, because the Achilles is I think more difficult to rehab from mm-hmm. versus an ACL tear. You know, it's to think
0: what's what's the last Achilles they had? Gabe Kapler.
1: Rounding the bases on uh, a home thing, run. Like, I
0: don't know. I,
1: I think of football. Like, didn't isn't that what Will Fork had? I mean, it's, maybe. You know, I think. Sport. Yeah, but <laughs> that's that's it might have be. been Kapler.
0: Yeah, I, Kapler's the just, one that came. Oh yeah,
1: I, I do remember Kapler. And I personally.
2: think that's like that's usually like nine months or so. Versus, it sounds like Travis is six months tonight to on the low end, maybe nine on the high end. So,
0: right,
2: he should be back by spring training next year. But still, right, it's, I, just I think, a, it's a tough break for him.
0: I think the report was they expected him to be healthy for 2017. Um, which is, of course, <laughs> kind of cold comfort. But And it's interesting, you know, kind of tying this into the rankings. I know we had already done our voting internally and, and our kind of tweaking of the list, so to speak. But we, we kind of decided he, for now at least, has to stay where he is because if you look behind him, you've got uh, Travis is at six or at five right now on the ranking. He He stayed where he was last month. Uh, Michael Kopech is six, and he's just starting to pitch in games again. And I mean, I, I would think you know, ideally, if Kopech comes back and he's as effective as we expect he is, goes to Salem, pitches well, he probably passes Travis by the end of the year. But uh, other than that, you've got Brian Johnson, who we, as we said, isn't pitching right now, and then you know, I think there's a pretty big drop off. You know, those that those are the three players that we have uh, graded on our on our scale as as you know five potential potential role five players and then after that you drop to the four and a halves you know so it's that's the tier so to speak in the rankings so you really can't do much with them right now because none of them are playing
2: no and the other thing that is this is could come up in july if they're going to look out for pitching help travis is someone who would be very appealing to other teams especially you know in that mid-range type of tier where you're not going to give up like a Devers, and Espinosa, and Benintendi for one of those mid-range, you know, starters or relievers. Yep. Travis is someone you could build a deal like that around, and now that's pretty much off the table. So mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, they're kind of stuck in the sense that, as you pointed out, that tier is a lot of injured guys where if they want something, they're either going to have to deal from the top or they're going to have to find a team that settle. really likes one of that next tier or settle mm-hmm. for a lower type of player.
0: Yeah, especially now that Blake Swihart is apparently the everyday left fielder. Ugh. which We've been there, we've talked about it, and I think, well... I'm just happy he's back in the big leagues. But, yeah, yeah. I, to me, I guess, transitioning to that, which I wasn't intending to do, but um, we probably should mention that Blake Swihart is basically the, the everyday left fielder with Brock Holthurt. It sounds like he might stay there if he keeps hitting, even when Holt comes back. At least he's in the major leagues playing. Um, I really wish he were still getting some time behind the plate, and I don't see why you can't give him some starts behind the plate. Uh, you know, on a day when, say, you know, once Jackie Bradley comes back from the paternity list, maybe you want to get Chris Young a start. Um, you know, maybe you sit Vasquez and, and, and Hannigan and catch Swihart, you know, or um, I don't know. I just I don't think you necessarily have to exclusively play Swihart in left field. It's not like he was you know, some Ryan LaVarnway-esque defensive atrocity no. behind the plate. So, it, it you know, I, I don't think you need to give up on it. I, I see trying to keep it simple for the young guy, but, you know, let's not pretend that he's some mental midget that wouldn't be able to handle it. I, I don't know. I, I, I wish that they hadn't abandoned catcher so suddenly and completely the way that they apparently have, at least for this season.
2: Well, it's, if he is the everyday left fielder, I do like what that does, the carry-on effect that has with Brock because, I mean, mm-hmm. as we kind of saw this year, sure. Holt wasn't hitting at all after the initial, you know, what was it, the first two weeks, I think he had a couple home runs, and he was hitting well, and since that, he's down to 230, and his best role, where I think he's most valuable to the team, is in that utility role, where he plays, you know, right. three, four games a week, can be a defensive replacement at pretty much, you know, any position, and... That's you know more value to them, especially you know it'll free up another bench spot because they'll probably send down Josh Rutledge. I think they'll keep Hernandez up, and you know you can do something with that roster spot. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, oh no, wait—they'd have to send down Rutledge. Never mind, Dis- disregard the extra roster spot. And stop. But it gives them nice versatility on the bench.
0: Well, I mean, Holt's the left-handed hitter, so that's, I think you, I think you probably send Hernandez down. Yeah, he I guess and, if, he and Holt are pretty are kind of redundant. That is true. You know, is I, think he's a, I think Hernandez would be a better pinch hitter though. I I I agree, but it's again, yeah. I I don't see the situation where Marco Hernandez is your option ahead of Holt. Whereas yeah, that's
2: true. And Hernandez needs to be playing every day if he's not, you know, helping the big league team. Right. In the right. primary utility role, so yeah.
0: Right. Um by the way, stop me if you've heard this one, but uh Clay Buckholz is failing to, to keep the game tied, guys. What happened to Clay Buchholz, man? It was a nice little error from Pedroia. Oh, Petey. <laughs> anyway, straight to the legs, double play ball. Well, I, I guess we've talked about five through seven, and and, and Blake Swihart, but uh, I think it's time, gentlemen, for our uh, our top four update. It's, I was i wondering if
2: we were going to get there. It's my favorite yeah. part of the show.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's the update on the top four prospects in the system as uh, as rated by us because that's what we decided. Uh, the, the, the top four prospects in the system. We, we've got a little bit of catching up to do. Our last episode was on May the 8th. Uh, so we're, we're, we're doing this since May the 8th, how these players have been hitting. Uh, Johan Moncada has had a great month of May. He's a candidate for player of the month on our on our forum poll. Uh, since the last episode in uh, 19 games, he's hitting 261, 384, 377. So the, the power has dropped a little bit. The hits aren't really falling in, even though – Uh, His average on balls in play is 367. Uh, That's in part because in 87 plate appearances, he has struck out 22 times. Not really what you're looking for there. Uh, Definitely still stealing bags. He's got 12 steals uh, and two caught stealing, Uh, so 12 for 14 on attempts. But uh, gentlemen, six doubles, one triple, no home runs. I'm not worried about the lack of power in the Carolina league. It's, it's a league of pitchers parks, but, uh, definitely would like to see the strikeouts come down a a little bit. Uh, is there anything you're worried about yet? Um, uh, Ian?
2: No, I, I agree with you that I think the strikeout rate I would like to see come down. I think in comparison to last year, I'm just bringing it up. Sorry. Um, on our very nice statistics page designed by the great, I think Mike Reynolds did Mm -hmm. it. Yes, sir. Um, Shout out to him for everything he does behind the scenes. He's very helpful. Yep. Um, but yeah, his K percentage actually it's right in line with what it was last year. Yeah. But it's still in in that top of the order role, which we expect him. That's just it's too many strikeouts. He's definitely still getting on base though, which is a nice thing to see. Um, his walk percentage is up, up five points, which is nice. Mm. Bab is still a little high, so his average is probably going to come down a little bit. But with him too, it, it, I don't. I didn't see him really as someone who is. You know, he's not. Andrew Benintendi type hit tool. Right. I think he, it's a good hit tool, but I don't think he's someone who's a consistent, you know, three hundred and twenty hitter or anything like that. You know, I think he's probably in the two hundred and eighty range. So I think this is right in line, kind of with what you'd expect. You know, two hundred and eighty-seven. But um, if he can just bring the K's down, he'll be fine because yeah. the way he's running, you know, the power is going to come. Um, he's going to be an impact player for sure, or not for sure, most likely.
0: Mm-hmm. Can it, never,
2: you can never be sure.
0: At the risk, oh, go ahead, Matt.
1: Uh yeah, I was just gonna say he's uh, he is 0 for five again tonight with a strikeout. Um, so I th- yeah, I think you mentioned down to two eighty seven. So that that seems sounded like update. And he made an error for his ninth of the season. Um, I don't. know. I kind of had a thought that's completely unfounded, but um, you know, since since him and Benintendi were doing so well, and Ben Benintendi got promoted, you kind of wonder if that could be psychologically affecting him at all. Like you know, why wasn't I promoted too? Mm. But you know, it's total speculation. So
0: right. You know. Well, I mean to me the thing's too. I mean, I know I've I've mentioned the left right split uh right now for the season as a right hitting from the right side against lefties uh 229 362 292 uh, hitting against right-handed pitchers from the left side 320 447 520. Uh and uh Ian, I believe this squares with what we with what you've seen as well, but I I know when I saw him hitting from the right side uh, when I got to catch Salem this year, it's just it's just not as impressive as the swing from the left side. It, it's, uh, you know, it, granted the average could certainly be tied the balls in play, but if you look at the power difference from the left side, he's got an isolated power number of 200 from the left side. Sorry, that's from the left side. From the right side, uh, it's 229. So call it 230 to 290. You know, that's what 70. Uh, so it's it's less than half uh, an isolated power number than it is from the from the left side of the plate. So I think he's got some things to work on defensively, as might mentioned with the error, um, hitting from the right side, uh, as as we were talking about. And I should also mention something I just noticed. He only struck out once in his first five games. And since then, in just under 200 plate appearances, this doesn't count tonight's games, uh, he's struck out 49 times. So he's striking out in a, a quarter of his plate appearances. And if you go by at-bats, he's struck out in um, just under a third of his at-bats. Which is really not what you're looking for, um, but you know some of that could be you know kind of trying to develop a plate approach. There, there could be any number of reasons. You're gonna have to look deeper than the well, strikeout numbers. Yeah, and
2: that's what's tough is I would I'd be interested. Obviously, that's not something available, but to see how what his pitches per bat is because I know just in spring training. And I think you can see this in the video we put up on the on our YouTube page. Um, it's socks, just our Google, Google Socks product, Socks Prospects YouTube, and you'll find it. We have an excited. Extensive... Sounded like you said
0: it sucks.
2: Yeah, no, it doesn't <laughs> suck. It's actually really good. Um, we have a there's lot of video. This link's on the main page, too, by the way. Yeah, there's some news articles that Matt puts up because mean And it. there's the link to the YouTube page off of oh, okay. off the main page. Well, that is fair, too. I didn't realize that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's extent, There's a lot of video. Um, I think there's probably 10, 15 at-bats of his plus BP and fielding from spring training. And in the at-bats, you can see he's just working counts. And he had, a, I know Chaz um, Fiorino noted, and uh, I think we wrote about it, that he was you know getting a 3-2 in almost every at-bat during spring training. And he was striking out a fair amount then, too. So as Chris alluded to, it could just be him, you know, they're having him just take a ton of pitches just to see them, you know, kind of get better at picking up spin. And that could be a contributing factor. So if we could, you know, obviously it's not something we find out, but I'd be interested in knowing what he's doing, if he's actually working counts or if it's, you know, he's going up there and three pitches and done, like we see some hitters do. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before we continue the rest of the top four update, uh, what, what are we calling it? The top four, top four update? Is that what we decided? I don't know. anyway, um, I just wanted to tell you guys, so a few weeks ago, it's a few weeks ago now because it's been a minute since we've recorded an episode, um, I went to a Nationals game with some friends. My, my friend Andy got the ticket. There was a group of 10 of us, so we had kind of a big group, but he got these seats in the 300 section of uh, Nationals Park. They're actually pretty great. He had a great time, uh, first base side. He got 10 seats all in a row, all together, and uh, no lie, I asked him, I go, Andy, you know, we were all saying what great seats these were. I'm like, where'd you get them? And uh, go figure. You know where he said he got him, gentlemen? He got him on SeatGeek. Of course. Uh, honest to God, he got him on SeatGeek. He tells me, he said, I was having trouble getting the 10 seats together uh, on other websites, but I went on SeatGeek and I was able to find the tickets. So he got... Ten tickets all together, great price. We all sat together. We all had fun. We didn't break the bank. You know, see, he knew he was getting a great deal because SeatGeek, they aggregate prices from other sites in one place, so he didn't have to scour the internet at 17 different sites. He went there, and he was able to see a bunch of different options all at once. And he specifically mentioned to me that he used their grading system to know he was getting a great deal for each ticket. They, they, they grade the tickets on a number scale, and you see the, the tickets that are in green are the good deals, the ones that are in red are probably priced a little bit high for what the value you're getting on those seats. So he knew he was getting us a great deal based on the grading system on SeatGeek. He appreciated the fact that the price he saw when he started looking did not, at the end of the transaction, get added all these uh, fees, no hidden fees at the end. He went to the checkout, and the price that he saw was the price that he saw when he started looking for the seats. And of course, if he'd wanted to, if he'd wanted to wait, he could have set a price alert if he needed the tickets to drop a little bit, uh, for one of, if someone didn't have the money to pay for those tickets or something. But it was a great buying experience, he said, and he would definitely go back. And I told him, I said, Andy, this is the important part. When you go back to SeatGeek next time, you've got to use the deal that we've got with them to get a $20 rebate. What you do, you download the free SeatGeek app. And this isn't just him. All of you listening can do this. You download the app. You go to add promo code under settings, and you enter our promo code SP20. That's SP20. What's the code, Ian? SP20. Oh, oh Thank, I'm not Thanks, here. Matt. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry I was muted. sp SP20. You were. God, was that was, Sorry. you
2: ruined it. <laughs> you, were on a, you were on a roll right there too, so
0: I, was. I apologize.
2: God, you're killing me. Anyway, it's well, SP20 though. It,
0: it is, is SP20. And when you do that, they'll send you a $20 rebate on your first purchase. So you make the purchase and they'll rebate you uh, on the price uh, or on the $20, not the price of the whole ticket, just the $20. And the best part, by doing that, you show your support for the podcast. They know that you are on SeatGeek because you listened to us and went there running to buy your tickets to your next game. They've got minor league games on there. Like we said, you can you know, buy tickets to your local minor league game, major league game. You can go see, I don't know if you can get buy tickets to Hamilton, but uh, maybe not Hamilton, but you can see a concert there. I might try and use SeatGeek to buy tickets to Guns N' Roses for next month. So, um, yeah, you can get anything you want on there. Do us a favor, do yourself a favor, go try SeatGeek. Uh, by the way, guys, it was Dollar Dog Night, so it was an even cheaper experience. And uh, the crazy part: the hot dog brand down here is Hatfield hot dogs, so that was a little strange to be to be eating. Did you feel
2: a little like cannibalistic? A little it was bit, kind of weird.
0: A little bit, a little bit. There weren't Hatfields in the hot dogs, but uh, you know, I'm sure. I'll, I'm sure when I get off the podcast, my wife will be telling me, but you know what is in the hot dogs, and uh, that's why I, I <laughs> saved my hot dog consumption for Dollar Dog Night. I actually had a dream the other day that I was going to eat my cat like a chili dog, but that was, I don't know. We won't go there. That's the just, weirdest thing I think has ever true. been said on this podcast. In weird <laughs> no, a direction. No, jo- Jonathan Singer was on the podcast once. So I'm sure that weirder things have been said. <laughs> anyway, let's get back on track. We're, 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 we're running afoul of where we should be. Uh, getting back to the top four in review. Uh, Andrew Benatendi was, of course, promoted to Portland finally, um, as I bring up his stats he um, got off to a little bit of a rough start after he was promoted, but he has since kind of righted the ship. So uh, when we last had our, uh, were on the podcast, he was with the Salem Red Sox. He was promoted to Portland on May the 16th, and uh, to start his career, in his first five games, he went two for 19 uh, with a double, one walk to six strikeouts oh no, you say. It turns out that he, it's a mirage. He's not that good. Well, fear not, because in his last seven games entering tonight to close out the month, uh, 8 for 28 with uh, two walks and a strikeout, a sacrifice fly hitting 286, 323, 357. So bringing things back up to where they should be, getting adjusted to the level. So not unlike what happened when he was in Lowell, frankly. He had a, a kind of an adjustment period. So adjustment period's not something to worry about, but he's pulling it together a little bit. I and mean, nothing to be worried about. I think we agree, gentlemen. Matt, you're you're not worried, are you?
1: I'm not worried, but not to burst your bubble, buddy. Is 0 for 4 tonight and back under the Mendoza line. But uh, no, no, I'm not worried yet.
0: Look, now can we worry?
1: <laughs> I, I think uh,
0: we'll give him one more game. Okay, <laughs> all right. Before we just cut him, cut <laughs> <Yeah>. him thief. <laughs> um, <laughs> So he, he held steady at number two. Number three is Anderson Espinoza, the precocious 18-year-old on the Greenville Drive. Uh, since we last had an episode, we, we talked, I think, last time about the gem he threw on the fifth, 11 strikeouts over five innings. Uh, since then, kind of mixed results. His first start after that, he only went uh, one and two-thirds. He kind of ran up a high pitch count. The line's not terrible. Three hits, uh, three walks leading to two runs struck out three, but I think he he had an inning where he went over 30 pitches and they just pulled the plug. Uh, but since then in his most recent three starts, um, went five innings, seven hits, three runs, four Ks. Uh, but then his last two, uh, the, on the 25th, six innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, three strikeouts. And, uh, uh, just a couple of days ago, five innings, one hit, four walks before strikeouts in all since our last episode in, uh, Seventeen and two thirds innings, thirteen hits, eight walks, which is a little high. You want to see that come down, but fourteen strikeouts, only allowed five runs. Uh, I like what we're seeing out of the eighteen-year-old uh, in the South Atlantic League, gentlemen. Uh, Ian, do you like what we're seeing here. Yeah,
2: it's you know it's part of the developmental process. He's going to struggle at times. Um, all pitchers do, but he's you know he's just got to go get go in there, get his work every five six days, and um, so far so good for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about his teammate Roniel Raudes as well, who's the second youngest pitcher in the league. He's also doing very well lately. Uh, finally, of course, is the number four prospect in the system, Rafael Devers. And Devers uh, still having a little bit of a rough go of it. Um, we'll, we'll go from from the tenth through the thirtieth. Uh, still scuffling a little bit. Fifteen hits and seventy-one at bats. Hitting two eighty-one, two fifty, two sixty-eight. Uh, one double, one home run. 15 strikeouts to four walks, uh, just scuffling a little bit. Uh, like I said, I went, when I caught him, it seemed like he was pressing a little bit. Uh, you know, For a young guy, again, keep in mind, he's one of the youngest players in the Carolina League as well. We talk about Espinoza. You know, you're know, you not going to necessarily see greatness from him every time out as an 18-year-old in the South Atlantic League. Well, as a 19-year-old in the Carolina League, we're not going to necessarily uh, see greatness every time out from, from Devers. A little bit of struggles, but I'm not worried. Matt, are you worried?
1: No, I mean, it's sort of sort of the same thing with Benintendi. I mean, I guess of all of them, this, he he has my eyebrows raised a little bit more, but I, I mean, I think he's going to pull it together. We'll just see uh, to what extent. But um, no, I mean, you, you can't be worried with a guy that age with that sort of talent at this point.
0: I mean, let's put it this way. Next year, he would still be young for the league if he were to repeat it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, um, but you know, it's definitely a little bit more. like you. Said, I think I like eyebrow raising. I think that's that's a good way to put it. So good. good it's job. still
2: it's still BABIP driven, though. You know, his BABIP is two twenty three, which is not sustainable. It's going to go up. It has to go up.
0: Well, in that stretch, so, it's two fifty. I mean, do we we have his batted ball numbers? Uh, I mean, last
2: year is three thirty two. The year before is four hundred, like or three sixty mm-hmm. slap and the GCL, then four hundred in the DSL. So. I think it's going to have to come up. I think the average will come up. The walk, to, the strikeout to walk rate looks good. The walk percentage is you know right in line. Is actually better than it was in Greenville last year. Strikeout percentage is about the same. So it's just you know it's just the pop up percentage is high and I think the Babbitt is low. So I think the Babbitt will come up and he'll it, be fine. And as you said, even if he repeats it next year, it's not the end of the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know fifty percent ground ball rate. Uh, line drive percentage is eighteen percent, nineteen percent. Of course, minor league batted ball numbers are are notoriously fickle because it's you, you've got minor league batted ball numbers come from minor league scorekeepers, and uh, with that comes strange strange numbers. But uh, yeah, the 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 pop up percentage is a little bit high uh, for the month of May. His his average on balls in play, I should say that that grab ball percentage was for the month of May. Uh, for the month of May, though, a two eighty four average on balls in play. So, eh. It's low, but, um, you know, I'm not getting worried until he's still hitting this at the end of the year. And then at that point, maybe I'll be a little bit worried. So uh, those four stayed where they were. We mentioned through the top seven. Uh, let's move on, guys. I guess we'll we'll really quickly just close out the top ten. Uh, Travis Lakins moved up one spot from from nine to eight. Marco Hernandez moves up from uh, from 11 to 9, and Michael Chavis, who's still out with an injury to his thumb, stays steady at 10. Uh, we mentioned we'd talk about Hernandez a little bit. Uh, we've already talked about him some, but I guess kind of showing not a ton in the majors. Ian, maybe we'll talk, go to you on this, but uh, to me, I think it seems clear that he's got a role on this team in the future.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's not really getting much of an opportunity, but due did his first career home run. Which I don't think power is a major part of his game, but he'll hit a couple home runs a year. But um, I think that it's just in Pawtucket, he's hitting really well this year. I think I was just trying to bring it up. He's 333 in Pawtucket this year. And if you see him, he's probably there. He was their best hitter. Um, him and Travis were. And he put together the best, most highest quality ABs. He was actually walking more, um, which was a good sign because last year in almost 400 played, or what was that, almost 500 played appearances, he walked 17 times. Versus this year, he's got eight already. Um, so his walk percentage is basically doubled. So that's a good sign. And I think that the most intriguing thing is they're trying him out in different positions. He's been playing left field, third base, some shortstop, second base. And if he can develop a new super utility player, you know, for as as the return for Felix Dubrant, who didn't really have a future with the Red Sox, that's a great return or, or a great trade or yeah. in the major leagues. Well, I was going to be mean, but yeah, that's that's a very nice trade for uh, Ben Jackson.
0: Hmm. Yeah, the, 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 I think actually with the left field thing, they only did once. Strangely enough, I I really liked that idea personally. Um, so I, I mean, hopefully they'll go back to that maybe a little bit in the future. Sorry, I was kind of I was like interrupting you there,
1: wasn't I? No, it's fine. The um, <laughs> Boogie Bat's homer was, again. No, um, no. Okay.
2: That's what I thought it was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say that I thought the most impressive thing to me is um, how he's he's transitioned between the levels. You know, every time he's got sent back down to AAA, it's it's almost like he's gotten better. You know, I think he. Got, I, I was just looking at it. he was like in, like around two eighty for his first stint. I'm pulling. I'm trying to pull up the numbers, baseball references, but anyway, he got sent back down. Bad three forty seven, three ninety four, forty four. Got called back up. Then batted um, two. Well, I guess that's not as good, but <laughs> that was a short stint. Two thirty one in his last couple games. But anyway, he's sort of um, he's really been able to not miss a beat and shift around positions and uh, levels, and really uh, sort of impressed with uh, with the way he hasn't the, the way
0: he's uh, he's, he's just been so, so consistent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that can be tough on a guy too when they're going up and down. You, you know, you see, oh, what's wrong with him? It's like, well, you know, a week ago he was traveling on a plane, and now he's on a bus. You know, it, it's it, it changes things. It does change things. So it's tough to 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 maintain consistency as you're going up and down like that. Yeah, and um, the
1: last numbers I was citing, by the way, were his major league numbers. So that's why they were they were lower. I was right. mistaken.
0: Right. Right. Oh, fair enough. Um, But that's that's where the top 10 sits Uh, going really quickly through the next 10. um, I'll just list them all and then we'll we'll maybe talk about a couple of them Um, following three spots to number 11 is Luis Alexander Basabe the center fielder from uh, Greenville who's been scuffling a little bit and and missed about a couple a week or two with an injury uh, this month. Uh, moving up a spot at number 12 is Mauricio Dubone, the shortstop in Salem. Uh, moving up two spots to number 13 is Pawtucket reliever Pat Light. We're going to talk about Pawtucket relievers in a little bit. Um, maintaining his spot at number 14 is Nick Longie, the first baseman in Salem. At number 15, moving up two spots, is Trey Ball, the left handed starting pitcher in Salem. So, run another run on Salem, guys. Um, and holding at number 16 is uh, Portland right-hander Teddy Stankowitz. And falling five spots to number 17 is Pawtucket shortstop Devin Barrero. I want to touch on him real quick um, once we finish with this. Uh, moving up three spots to number 18, debuting in the top 20, is Pawtucket reliever Kyle Martin. As I mentioned, we'll talk about the Pawtucket reliever, relievers in a minute. Um, holding stadium number 19 is Christopher Acosta, the Dominican pitcher who will Uh, be debuting in short season ball, either for Lowell or the Gulf Coast league when those start and debuting in the top 20 as well. Moving up six spots is Greenville first baseman, Josh Ockamy gentlemen, there's a few guys to talk about there. Um, I want to, we want to talk about maybe Luis Alexander Basabe first. He's a guy that we had to debate a little bit on where he belonged in the rankings during this process. And, you know, falling a little bit, it doesn't mean we're down on him necessarily, but to me, I think it's just kind of, you know, maybe, you know, he's showing the rawness that we knew he would have, but just the degree where maybe I think Lakens and Hernandez are showing they're maybe a little safer uh, than he is where he might have a better upside. Does that sound about right to you, um, Ian?
2: Yeah, I think it's acknowledging that there's more inherent risk with him than the guys ahead of him. Um, He's someone who The tools are there. I mean, if you see him play, he's got speed. He's got power. I'm not sure he can hit. That's the question. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, the raw tools are impressive. And he's, I mean, he's hit five home runs this year. I think he had one tonight. And he's stealing some bases, but it's just uh, he's striking out way too much. And that's been the issue with him going back to when we saw him in Lowell, even in the GCL and in Instructs, is that he swings a lot. And he's aggressive, and he has a lot of swing and miss in this game. And he's that's something he's really going to have to bring down because you know you can't succeed with a strikeout percentage of thirty percent or more than thirty percent. So, it, and I think the other thing to remember is something Chris you've alluded to I think before that he still is relatively new to the game of baseball. You know, this isn't a guy who's been playing the game his entire life. He started you know a few years before signing, and he's still only nineteen years old. So even if he was to repeat. Um, Greenville next year as a point of comparison that he would be the same age that Mauricio Dubu- Dubon who's right behind him in the rankings um was last year when he was in Greenville mm-hmm. so it's not like he's you know re- it's repeating if he had to repeat would be the worst thing so I think you know it's just struggles this is his first like a full season pitching and you know he's kind of getting to go around now and now it's on him to make adjustments the necessary adjustments to kind of turn things around
0: you know, one thing that strikes me looking at his profile on our on our website is the the batted ball numbers. Um, only thirty three percent ground ball rate, he, whereas he hits forty uh, percent fly balls. And part of me wonders, you know, knowing the power he has, is, you know, is it maybe a little bit of of swinging for the fences there? You know, his average on balls in play is two seventy, which is not you know too crazy. Whereas you know his batting average is below the Mendoza line uh, at least entering tonight. So.
2: Well, and that's actually a pretty good point because I mean we've seen this before with Greenville, with Greenville's field having that short porch in left field with the green monster. I mean we've seen it with guys like Michael Shaves before who have freely admitted that they just went there and tried to hit home runs. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that might not be the worst theory.
0: And especially where, you know, his brother, Luis Alejandro Basabe, who was a big mover in this month's rankings, he moved up six spots to number 24. Uh, he had a great month of May, in fact. He uh, he is a candidate for player of the month as well, uh, an award that is almost certainly going to go to Josh Ockamy uh, with the month he had. But uh, Basabe had a very good month for the season he's hitting 297, you know, kind of putting up the results that his brother is not uh, to, to for the for the year um, or at least uh, entering today was hitting 289, 389, 437. Uh, with uh, let's see here, uh, I mean the average. The average in balls and play was a little higher, 352. But you know, not the ground. It kind of flipped the ground ball and fly ball numbers that his brother had, and hitting 20% line drives. So, uh, you know, maybe making some better contact, not striking out quite as much. The K percentage is down to 18% for him overall. Uh, you know, for the month of May. It's 20%. So he's being kind of consistent there Uh, for the month of May. He hit 301, 410, 470. So uh, Alejandro had a better month than, than Alexander uh, hitting the ball this month. Kind of interesting to see how they're kind of, one's got the higher upside probably, but also maybe, you know, a little bit more to do at the plate than, uh, than his brother does, who maybe doesn't have quite the upside, but uh, maybe a little, little bit more polish at the moment, which is interesting. I don't know if we necessarily saw that coming. Um, Moving on in the top 10, a guy I want to mention is Devin Marrero, uh, who we've all seen in Pawtucket and who I was almost tempted to move him down further in my list. I I had him at 18 on my list, and I I was tied for the low guy on him. Uh, Matt, you had him at 18 as well. Ian, you and Mike both had him at 17. I, I was tempted to move him down even further. Based on what I saw over the weekend, I'll let you guys describe what you've seen of him in Pawtucket. Matt, why don't we uh, go with you? It just he, he looks—he's a mess at the plate. Frankly, is that something you'd agree with? Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. It just seems like he's—he's he's regressed at the plate, and it's—it's it's tough to say why. I mean, he was never a great hitter, but um, you know, to—to to be able to—to to, you know—to hold down a major league job, you've—you've got to do. You know better than than he has so far. He's he's what you know below the Mendoza line, and he, it's you know he's he's had what a, 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 over a year at the level, um, maybe almost two years. Um, we, he, you know his feelings there. I don't think anyone's going to argue that he's not a great fielder, but
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he hasn't it's, been lately.
2: It's, it's not he's not been as good defensively as he has in past years. He's just it's it's sloppy. It's not you know it's not he's that he's making, yeah. you know, errors on tough plays like he used to. Cause that used to be his thing is, you know, he'd get to more, he'd have, he has more range than, you know, normal shortstops. So he'd get to the ball, but then he'd throw it away. Now it's, I saw him drop a line drive right at him. Just, you know, it hit him in the glove and he just dropped it. Or, you know, the ball will be hit to him and he won't set his feet in him. He'll make an errant throw. And it's just, it's just really lazy, bad errors that you don't want to see and combine that with what he's doing at the plate where I don't think he can hit it at all. Frankly, um, he, Chris, you saw it. He has happy feet at the plate, like mm-hmm. nobody's business. He bails out on everything. He can't pull the ball at all. There's no power. Um, he strike. He swings and misses way too much. And it's the way his at bats. We kind of were talking about with uh, Marcotta earlier. He was who I was alluding to because I. There are times when I will look to Chaz and we'll ask ourselves: Is he just mailing in this and back? Because he'll go up there and three pitches done, or first pitch swinging, ground out to second base, done. You know, he doesn't look like he's I don't want to say he's not trying, but it, you know the, he's not putting together at bats to give you hope that things are going to turn around. For how
0: about how about not competing?
2: Sure, we can go with that. It's just it's really it's not I, it's not fun to see, or it's just not what you want to see from a kid from someone who you know they got that he got us a taste of big league ball last year and. You would think that would motivate him to try and get back there, but from what we've seen this year, that's not the case.
0: I mean, maybe it's pressure he's putting on himself too. I mean, it's it's not like you said; it's not that he's not trying. It's just no. It's, I mean, I'm
2: sure he's pressing, but
0: yeah, it, it's just I just
2: the tools itself at the plate. I just don't see how he'll ever hit enough to be even. I don't think he's a backup shortstop even anymore. I'm not sure he's a big leaguer anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. he's obviously been up there. And he, maybe he'll get a cup of coffee or two, but I don't think I'm not sure he could hold down, you know, a season long spot on a roster.
0: He, he strikes me as a guy that another team asks for now as like a throw, a throw in in the trade yeah. because they think they see something they can fix.
2: Yep, absolutely. Because there's something with his swing. I don't know what he's doing, but we'll have video of it up to uh, in the coming weeks. I, we got uh, I I went to the entire series versus Indianapolis and was able to get him. Versus two big league quality arms in Tyler Glasnow and uh, Jameson Tyon. and I think for this, I think he got one hit over the three games and a bunch of strikeouts and just weak contact. And when we put the video up, uh, we we'll, it'll have an accompanying article that kind of explains what we've been seeing, mm-hmm. and you'll get a better uh, picture of what I'm talking about. But it's just his the feet are the issue. I just don't he yeah. just pulls off everything. And you know he's ending up with his left foot is down, f- pointing off towards the Paw Sox dugout, and that's not where it's supposed to be.
0: Well, so, I, I saw an yeah, at bat where know. his his back foot was pointing towards the yeah. Paw
2: Sox dugout. It's just it's 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 not ideal, and I don't know. Yeah, something needs to be changed at the plate because just swing mechanics wise, it's not working right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, one, one last guy I want to talk about in the top 20 is uh, Josh Ockamy, who we, we got a reader question about, or reader question, listener question. Uh, and this is from Kevin in Las Vegas. He says, uh, I was wondering if there was something scouting-wise that should temper the excitement for Josh Ockamy. I know he's a long way away, and it's a small sample size, but his performance so far is very intriguing. Uh, thanks for the email, Kevin. Uh, I, I think I'm leading the, the Josh Ockamy bandwagon Right now, did you say that that's probably fair to say?
2: Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had him at sixteen in my rankings this month, and I just, I the, I know it's just stats. I have obviously have not been able to get eyes on him yet this year, but to me, for example, in the month of May, Akemi is almost certainly going to run away with our player of the month award. He hit 321 467 4, 548 with four home runs, seven doubles, walked 23 times to 26 strikeouts. Uh, to me, he's just doing everything offensively and I know that being a first base puts pressure on the bat and he's not necessarily a great defensive first baseman, but to me it's just too there's too much there for it to not be real. It's not like, you know, at this point we're at on the season Akami's had 159 at-bats. He's hitting 308, 450, 566 with 9 home runs, 12 doubles. I mean, if you look last year, I think the leader in the system for home runs was Chavis with 15. Um, I, I just think Occamy's hitting for a lot of power while also showing a pretty good approach walking, which we've talked numerous times about how walking doesn't necessarily mean anything, but... I think all the facets to his game are there. And I know we were talking a little bit about this before the episode. But uh, one thing that I, I read, I believe in an Alex Spear column, is that he uh, has taken to wearing contacts where he's now got 2015 vision. And that's helping him see the ball a lot better. Ian, you said that there was something different with his, his stance.
2: I have a video on my computer I'm trying to bring up to verify. what if Because what I, I would watch a video of him from a game last mm-hmm. week. And I'm trying to see if it was the same thing from spring training. So give me one second.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's just, uh, I don't know, Matt. It, to me, I know stats are stats, but I, I think he's looking like he might even get moved up to Salem at some point in, later in the season, uh, which I would never have guessed coming into the year. But if if they think that, for example, Nick Longhi is ready for Portland or if they want to see him more in the outfield, I think you could see Akami in Salem, which is kind of incredible from a guy that we thought of as pretty raw during the year, right? I, I mean, you, you had the chance to talk to him in spring training. And I think even at that point, the, I talked to him last. last oh, last spring, year, yeah. last spring training. Yeah. But still, it's yeah. it's kind of surprising, no, that that he's had this good, of, this great success for over an extended period. It's not just a one month thing. It's not a two month, two week hot streak. It's a, a sustained period of success.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's not. He's pretty young for the level. Um, everything checks out there. You know, I, I'm. I mean, not that you know, me and Ian roughly have him what four or five spots behind where you had him. So it's not right. like we were. You know, weren't you know pushing him up as well, um, and I think you know just looking for some scouting to sort of confirm, you know, confirm what the what the stats are so far. First base only guy, you're just always skeptical until they mm-hmm. they start to to work their way up. But you know, I actually didn't know that that about his eyesight, um, so that's definitely a, a factor that that we should, we should continue to to monitor or something that might be a game changer. So, I mean, you know, he keeps us up. I definitely think, you know, he'll keep – he'll he'll push into the – well, I guess he's already in the top 20, but he'll push into my top 20 and mm-hmm. probably, you know, around, I don't know, 15 or something. He could, yeah, I could see him up to pretty soon.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I look at it just to compare him with the last guy we were talking about. I'd much rather have Josh Occamy than Devin Marrero right now if I've got an, a major league organization. You know, uh, to me, and it's no question. It's no question. Um, you know, that's why I've got Occamie ahead of Marrero. I've got Occamie ahead of, you know, the bullpen arms. I've got Occamie ahead of Acosta, who's still in short season ball. So, you know, that's that's kind of where I'm at with him. Uh, I think that's, you know, my, my thoughts. Ian, do you, have you had, do you have the video up to, to talk yeah, about his stance? Yeah,
2: I, I found it. And, and what it is is, so in high school, he – Had kind of his bat angled towards the um, pitcher. It was really weird setup, and it looks like he's kind of simplified it, where it's more of like he look. It's more normal from the side looking, and he's got a good weight transfer, and he does have some bat speed. He does a good job whipping the bat through the zone. The video I have actually is him getting a triple. Um, I think you were there for that game. It was the last day of spring training when we were down there, and it looks like he's kind of a little more upright too. So I think that he's probably. It looks like he's changed his uh, his swing and stance a little bit. Not major tweaks, but there's a little bit of a change from what he was in Lowell last year, and it looks like it's uh kind of making a difference because last year in Lowell, obviously the strikeouts were just obscene. Um, what was it? It was almost like a thirty five percent strikeout rate last year i think yeah seventy seventy eight strikeouts and one hundred and ninety nine at bats, and the power wasn't showing but um and this year, I mean he's got you know nine home runs and fewer at bats, so power is translating, but as Chris alluded, you alluded to um, first base prospect. Greenville, which is a great hitter's park, and as are Asheville and a few of the other South Atlantic League parks.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he's not a very good defender at first base from what I've seen. Um, granted, it's a limited look. but Actually, no, it's not a limited look. I saw him in Lowell last year. Not a very good defender at first base. So he's going to have to hit. He's going to have to hit a lot um, to you know stay on this radar. But as someone who, in a system that could use some bats to develop- take a step forward at the low minors, uh, he's a very intriguing guy.
0: Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Um, I guess for the for the back end of the of the top forty, we've got some listener questions that ask about guys that are there. So let's kill two birds with one stone. We'll we'll, we'll do it through the the listener emails, and we got an email from Brady, and he asks, uh, I was hoping for an update on uh, Capital All Caps, my main man Kevin McAvoy. I saw him in the College World Series against Houston, I think, and I enjoyed him. Thanks, Brady. Uh, that would be of course while he was at Bryant. Uh, university. Bryant is, a uh, by the way, a two-seed in the College World Series regionals this coming weekend, which is insane to me. Yeah, it was uh, a really good year for the
2: Northeast. BC's in it. I think there's a couple other schools, too.
3: But it, and that sort of um, transitions into my story, because I, I talked to McAvoy, and he talked a lot about Bryant, and um, he talked about what what was sort of building the program up and, and he mentioned a guy who's, he, he's, he's the highest pick ever out of Bryant. And he mentioned his, his buddy who um is is
1: pitching there now, who he's hoping is going, it will go higher this year. um And he just was talked about the coaching and how that's, that's sort of building the program up. Mm-hmm. And he also, and then we got into, you know, his, him as well. And um, he, he had by far the most double plays last year, ton, tons of ground balls. I think he had the highest ground ball rate. And, um, you know, he was sort of saying like, "Yeah, it's great that I got all those double plays, but on the other hand, that means there's a lot of guys on base, which was the case because he had a very high walk rate last year, and again this year, you know, 16 walks, 16 strikeouts. So he's had better results so far, um, and he's definitely intriguing with the ground ball. But I'm, you know, I'm 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 a little bit skeptical. But I think you know he's pushed pretty aggressively straight to Salem out of out of college. So um, so you know." we'll have to wait and see and get some more reports on him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I, I, you know, I'm thinking back to the article you did and, and the, some the, some of the quotes he had, it, it sounds like, you know, you, you know, you don't want to throw around intelligent guy, but the way he thought about the game was very intelligent. You know, it, it, like yeah. you said, he wanted the point he made about, I had those double plays with them, and someone was on base. He talked about bringing his strikeout numbers up, which he was kind of in the process of doing, uh, although he was walking too many guys, frankly, he, uh, Let's see. He he hasn't actually pitched since May third because of an injury. He's been on the disabled list, but in his first five starts over 21 and two thirds innings, he struck out 16 guys, which you know the K rate was going up. But he also walked 16. Like you said, that's far higher than you want him where you want that to be. So he dropped two from 36 to 38. Uh, I think that might have a little more to do with movement around him than anything. I don't think we're higher or lower on him than we have been. Um, I think there's just some, some movement around him. So, uh, but yeah, thanks for the question, Brady. Uh, our next listener question is actually, uh, it's, it's a series of questions, but since it's from frequent emailer Cody, we're going to go ahead and, and get to them. Um, the first question is how did Trey ball become so effective? I guess that's more a guy that's in the front 20, uh, Trey ball, Of course, the last podcast we had, he had just returned to the mound uh, after missing the first month of the season. And in the month of, uh, he had one start in in April, but in the month of May and five starts, 30 innings pitched, uh, eight runs, six earned on 18 hits and 12 walks, struck out 19, had kind of a rough start today, walked four, didn't strike out any. Uh, He got pulled after three, I think it was. Uh, gentlemen, do we... Or did he get through five? No, he got through... Uh, bring it up I here. It somewhere. I got it right. Oh, yeah, here. He, he got through five. Yeah, he got through five. Five runs, two earned on seven hits and four walks. Didn't strike anybody out, but did hey, induce nine ground outs to three flyouts. outs. And I think that's kind of the story. The strikeout numbers aren't great, but he's, he's getting ground balls. I mean, he's got a... Uh, ground ball to fly ball ratio of 2.8, whereas in the past he tended more towards fly balls, uh, you know, using the batted ball percentages, which again, you know, who who knows, you know, those are not necessarily reliable, but this year in Salem, uh, 54% ground balls, or actually closer to 55% ground balls. Last year in Salem, 37% ground balls. I think that's the story. He's inducing bad contact uh, primarily with that change up, it's deceiving out of the hand he he uses the same arm speed doesn't really move all that much which i think is why it's inducing ground balls and weak contact rather than swings and misses so uh, i think that's really the big thing here but still he the command of the fastball isn't there uh, i think if he were to gain that you know it's showing a lot more movement than we had on report from reports on him in the past uh, i think those plus whether or not he can add a third pitch uh, really will will go to deciding whether or not he's a starter in the big leagues but Progress is the word here, I think. Does that sound right to you guys? It's progress. It's a good sign. Hopefully he keeps it up. Right? Agree. Yeah. Yeah, Um, for sure. Cody's next question, uh, well, he asked what is happening with Brian Johnson. We talked about that. Uh, and he also asked which Pawtucket bullpen arms deserve call ups and in what order would you do those call ups uh, I guess let me let me put one of you guys on the spot uh matt will will go with you because you 're the most fun um, to put on the spot for for reasons I really haven 't figured out yet, uh, but there 's a few <laughs> candidates I think that you know I mentioned on Twitter and not that this is some unique idea but uh, with Carson Smith going down for the year due to needing Tommy John surgery, I, I would like to see the Red Sox spending the next month or a month and a half, kind of auditioning guys for that role behind Kimbrel, Uehara, and Tazawa. You know the Matt Barneses and Robbie Rosses of the world, and you know Heath Hembree was up at the time, though he's since been optioned back to Pawtucket to make room for Eduardo Rodriguez uh, being activated from the DL. I guess who are your top three guys? They are, are there. Th- well, what guys would you like to see get auditioned in the major leagues? I think is really probably the way to look at it.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, it, the answer to that question I'd say is Kyle Martin for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Hembery obviously probably the next up, but I and then I think Light's already on the forty man, right? So he might have an yes. advantage over over Martin there. Um, but I actually kind of like. I mean, I ranked Light ahead of Martin because of his upside, and I mean he has a chance to to sort of. Um, I, I almost think of like Andrew Miller clicking in, in mm-hmm. that way as a, as a reliever, like that that sort of thing with could happen with Pat Light. I mean, probably not to the you know the, to the same degree, but he could become a very good setup type man. You know, maybe closer as a pie in the sky, but um, but Kyle Martin, I, I you know when when you see both them in a game i I don't know, I always come away kind of a little bit more i don't know if impressed is the right word, but i I don't know Martin is just very consistent um solid, uh, very good change
1: up um i, I don't know i just I've liked what I've seen and and heard from you know talking to to uh, Kevin Bowles, the manager after the game about him and that sort of thing so I, i'm I'm a big fan of Kyle Martin and want to see what he can do.
0: Mm, me too. I mean, his numbers are incredible. He's also a candidate for uh, for play- Pitcher of the Month uh, for the month of May. Kyle Martin, who, as I mentioned, has moved up to 18th on our rankings. Just the consistency. I mean, you saw... In spring training, he stayed with the major league club for far longer than any of us thought he would. On the season, in twenty six and a third innings, he struck out thirty four and walked just three. You know, a lot of that is is throwing strikes, but he's also inducing bad contact. You know, the ground ball rate is forty four point eight percent. You know, the ground ball, the fly ball ratio is two point five. So he's keeping that low. He's only given up twenty five hits to go with the three walks in twenty six and a third. So I think I'd like to see him get a shot. I think that there are guys on the forty man who you could designate for assignment. For example, since our last episode of the podcast, Sean Coyle has been demoted from Port- from Patuc- to Portland. Uh, I think he might he would clear waivers right now. I think the time might be right to to designate him for assignment for that reason. And I'd like to see Kyle Martin take that spot and get a look in the majors. But of course, the bullpen's a little crowded right now with with Clay Buckholtz in it. As well, so I, I don't know how they're really going to work this. Try and get guys looks. So long as they've got that sort of long relief guy there, um, I agree. I'd like to see him, but at the same time, Pat Light. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Ian, you were telling me about about Chaz being all excited when when he uh, clocked him at 100 miles per hour, and that was the first time he'd gotten a 100 mile per hour reading on the gun. So he's the yeah. only guy in the system that can do that. That's that high in the in the system. I guess it would be, it's basically him. Maybe Victor Diaz and uh, Michael Kopech are the only guys with that velo in the system. Oh, and Gerson, Gerson Batista. Gerson Batista, who will be in Lowell this year. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I don't know. Do you have any other names there? I, I think we all kind of agree. I think the upside for those two is higher than the likes of, say, Noe Ramirez and even Hembree. Is that yeah. something you'd agree with?
2: Yeah. I, Martin's my number one. Um, as for the main, And I actually would take him out of light right now just for the fact that he can throw strikes and Pat Light can't um, consistently.
0: Right, but right now, meaning literally right now, not necessarily long-term.
2: No, 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 like well, literally right now. <laughs> like, like, no, I'm just making got, sure. Also got hurt. Well, that was just about to add that. With Light, actually, when we were at the game on Saturday, I want to say, he uh, he got hit in the pitching hand by a ground ball, so he's actually not pitching right now. I think that the report is just a bruise, though, and that he's going to try and throw off the mound this week. But um, that's something the Bears are watching, because uh, that was the outing where he was actually, I think he was – one of the more impressive outings I've seen from him. He was like 94, 98 with the fastball, um, mainly in the 96, 97 range. And then he had one that hit 100. And then I think the very next pitch is when a uh, hard ground ball up the middle hit off his hand. Hmm. And that would it would have been a 1 2 3 inning if not for that. Um, so it was a good good at, good look at light. But uh, that had followed Martin, who threw, I think, almost, or I think won't well, actually have the notes right here. Um, it was about inning two thirds, struck out like three guys. And just change up was on and his change up is a plus pitch. It's a really good pitch and he's velo is good. He's, you know, 93, 94, got up to 96 and from six, seven frame, you know, it's, it's an imposing presence on the mound. And as you said, he just, he keeps the ball down. He throws strikes. And that's something that, you know, the Red Sox bullpen in that back end role could use as someone who could just go out there, eat innings and you know, you're going to get strikes. And even if, you know, he's put the ball in play, that's fine, but he also can miss bats. So I think, and again, 10K signing. So that just shows that there is value in those senior signs that they take, you know, in the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round. And again, why you send your scouts out everywhere because you never know what you're going to find.
0: Yep, yep. And I think that we, we talked about this before, but maybe an adjustment to the mechanics of the arm slot.
2: Yeah, that part was the that. thing. Yeah, that was um, what he he threw in sidearm in college, which makes no sense considering he's six seven. But um, yeah, who, who d- fired that pitching coach? <laughs> but uh, then they brought it to Lowell and they switched into over the top, and it took him a little little while to get used to it. Um, but then even Lowell he was impressive.
0: I'm, I'm sorry, uh, I'm laughing. Yeah. Speaking of needing bullpen help, um, Josh Rutledge is warming up right now. What's this uh, for the game? Oh, and, well, it's 13 to eight, but it just became 13 to uh, nine because Chris Young just went deep. I think that was Chris Young. Yes. It's- yeah, um, I don't know, I'm so, I was in my room where I'm recording, I so I it, watch it. I turned it off because it got out of hand. It was distracting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, I've yeah. got it on behind me, and I'm looking over to check the score. When And I just I had to laugh when I saw Josh Rutledge warming up in the bullpen.
2: But other than Martin and Light, I mean, we see in Ramirez, we've seen Hembury, And I, other than those four, I don't really see anyone who is in play in that mm-hmm. bullpen.
0: Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, And then we got a couple of listener questions, uh, emails that are related. They're from Alan and they're from from Phil. And Alan and Phil, basically they asked questions about Greenville. The one thing they both asked about was uh, a trio of bullpen arms that are having success in Bobby Pointer, Austin Glorious, because it's the podcast. Of course, we're going to get questions about Austin Glorious because everyone loves to ask about Austin Glorious. And uh, Jake Cosart. Three of them have had great success this year, and in fact, uh, Martin just got promoted. Or not, Martin. Jeez, Bobby Pointer just got promoted to Greenville. But I, I think three different pitchers. Uh, just to mention the stats really quick: uh, Cosart. Uh, just because he's the one that came up first, because he's thrown the most innings in 26 and a third innings, 16 hits, uh, 14 walks, 39 strikeouts uh, in that time, so well above a strikeout per nine inning, uh, a strikeout per inning. Uh, Bobby Pointer in 26 innings, he has only allowed two runs, one earned, on 11 hits and no walks, so that's a WHIP of 0.42. For those of you scoring at home, he struck out 32 in 26 innings, and Austin Glorious in 26 and two-thirds innings, has given up uh, 12 runs, 11 earned. On 25 hits and 13 walks, he's struck out 31. So they're all striking out more than a batter per inning. Uh, Glorious, interestingly, you know, has allowed more base runners. I think both Glorious and Cosart, the walk numbers, are really well ahead of where you'd want them. But the strikeout numbers for all three are good. Uh, three very different players. And as they uh, kind of mention as Alan notes, um, his outing against Charleston, he was 89-98, to 98. Uh, and he asked, any reason you think his fastball has that big of a spread? I, I mean, I think kind of the obvious reason is two-seam and four-seam, correct? Who was,
2: different...
0: who is 89-98? He says 89-98 to 98 was glorious, although I think the other thing was obviously, um, if, he's, if you're using the scoreboard. Yeah, you um, can't trust the scoreboard. He's usually,
2: in the, he's usually in the mid-90s.
0: Mid '90s, so and '89 could have been a two seam too, or a cutter change or something. Could have been a change up too. Um, Cozart is what he would call effectively wild, but getting the job done. um, Do we think he asked if you think he struggled when guys get more discipline at the higher levels, Um, and then just to also touch on some of Phil's observations because these guys are both in Greenville um, about the bullpen. They have some hard throwers back there, two strong guys like Cozart and Glorious, along with a finesse and mature lefty like Pointer. Uh, he also added Victor Diaz because he's seen him throw in the hundreds, but he still gets hard and struggles. Uh, he's seen Cozart in the upper 90s touching 100 with a nasty split, it also appears. And he's also seen Glorious in the upper 90s touching 98, but mostly 95 to 97 with a really good cut changeup, he called it. Uh, couldn't figure out what it was till I asked what he was throwing to one of the players charting. The pitch is hard at 85 to 87. Uh, so those are uh, Phil and, and um, sorry Phil and Allen with some some hand observations from Greenville. Um, we got to get you down there, by the way, Ian. But uh, yeah, I no, guess different gone. different pitchers. I mean, we've talked a lot about Gloria, so I don't think we need to get too much into him. But I guess you hit on him briefly, hit on Kozar briefly, and I know that you got a report on on Pointer as well. Much different kind of pitcher.
2: Yeah, uh, glorious we've talked about a lot. I don't think there's a lot, as you said, music we said with him. Kozart, we saw him in spring twice, and the velo is there. He was uh, he was like 95, 97 both times we saw him. I think he topped out in 98, maybe 99 once, and that was a market improvement. Um, the issue is his secondary stuff that he showed in spring. The curveball wasn't great. It was in the low 70s, kind of rolled to the plate. Um, you could see him. He was just trying to, he slowed his arm down a little bit, just kind of spin it. It was a spinner. It wasn't really, you know, a tight breaking ball. And the more pressing concern I have with Cozart is his command profile and injury risk. His delivery is not great. It's, um, he, it's all arm basically. Um, he's got an electric arm strength and just very, very loose arm, but his, he uses only his arm his delivery. He barely uses his lower half at all. Um, it's basically just rev and just fire all arm strength. And, that is the big time red flag when it comes to injury risk. Um, it's not what you, how much, the amount of stress he puts on his arm is not good. And they, tr- it looked like, I mean, last year in Lowell, they tried to tinker with it and it just didn't work at all. And so it seems like they're letting him get back to what he was succeeding with before. And while the velo and everything is there and the stats, I mean, he's missing bats, which, you know, isn't surprising. It's just long term, I'm just concerned that, that of being able to, you know, keep, that delivery holding over, you know, multiple seasons is a big time concern, and as is his throwing strikes because it's not an easy delivery. It's not a very easy little delivery to repeat, and uh, that doesn't lend itself to strong throwing strikes consistently either. So those are my concerns with him. Pointer is. I mean he's a 23 year old college guy four-year college guy in Greenville you know he should have started in Salem if they thought I if he was you know considered much of a big time prospect or anything and obviously as you said he didn't walk anyone but he's a polished guy but he's only like 86 88 you know top out 89 90 occasionally and uh, he's decent secondaries but I just I need to see it. You know, I'm going to need to see him do this in Triple A before I'm a believer because he's 20. Again, he's 23 already. So, um, you know, he did what he needed to do, though. You know, he went down to Greenville and he dominated. Yep. But with that, you know, with that profile, he's an undersized lefty. You know, maybe he's, best case, he's a loogie, but I don't think there's much more than that.
0: You you wonder with a guy with that profile why he started the year in Greenville. You know, what what reasons there might have been for that? It's kind of Weird, but um, you know he's in Salem now, so we'll see what he can do there. And maybe he's the guy that can make the kind of Williams-Harris jump, uh, you know, from Greenville to Portland, and in in one season. I don't think that's out of the question at all um, if he keeps this up. So we'll see what he does in Salem. And again, you know, you can only pitch at the level you're at. You can't pitch (laughs) at the level that people think you should be at if you're not there. So. Um, they're interesting. We should probably mention real quick the the, the rankings on those guys. Uh, Austin Glorious moves up one to number 30 this month. Kosart moves up eight to fall in line right behind Glorious at 31. Uh, Pointer, we mentioned, it makes more sense once you've heard the scouting, but he's up 10 to number 50, and I think I'm fine with him there. Uh, I think he's going to have to keep doing what he's doing for him to keep moving up uh, that way. Uh, we should mention Victor Diaz dropped the nine spots to number 47 Diaz has just really you know as mentioned really been having problems getting guys out in 23 and a third innings he's allowed 24 runs uh, 20 of them earned on 33 hits and 12 walks he's only struck out 18 Uh, so he's definitely having some some growing pains coming to the to the states basically straight from the Dominican Summer League which I, 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 I think we talked about this before but I can't remember the last time they did that, but that said Diaz was old for the DSL. So well, that's what it was, I yeah. think he signed late. He's only he 22. So, yeah. So he's, he's on the older side, so he needs to get it together quick, even though he can throw a hundred. Um, they'll definitely give him some leeway, but, um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I mean, Hey, you know, sometimes guys that, that, uh, they sign like that pan out other times, you know, for example, the guy that comes to mind is Simon Mercedes, who today was demoted from Portland to Salem. Um, just because you know, things have kind of gone south. I remember when we saw him in, in Lowell, it was exciting. You know, it was, oh, he's, did he, didn't he he touch 100 at some point? At Mercedes, whether it was in spring training or something. Yeah, it was uh, spring training
2: last year, I think. Yeah, right so, years ago.
0: yeah, I think it was two years ago. So, you know, the, the buzz on these guys, yeah, throwing to triple digits is one thing, but if you're going to get hit, you're going to get hit, and it doesn't matter how hard you're throwing. You know, 100 just comes out even harder. So, um, we'll see what happens with those bullpen arms, but it's intriguing. I, I would like to see Cozart maybe get a look up in Salem at some point soon as a guy who's been in the system for a little while. I wonder if we're going to start seeing some chain promotions of some arms here. Uh, you know, for example, get, I mentioned Chandler Shepard in Portland being a guy I'd like to see get a look in Pawtucket. Um, that hasn't changed at all. He had another pretty good month. So we'll, we'll see how they work this. Um, but thank you to everyone who sent in emails. Again, it's podcast at Sox, prospects.com. Um, Guys, maybe you want to play lighting round. Pick one guy who uh, moved up or down on the rankings and talk about him. Uh, if, if you want, Ian, I'll put you on the spot this time. We've got some guys that made some big jumps who we haven't really discussed too, too much, but uh, anyone that comes to mind that you want to mention? Looking at the, at the list, um, we've got some movers there.
2: Yeah, I'll just mention, we briefly talked about it earlier, but uh, Luis Alejandro Basabe, the other mm-hmm. Basabe. And we kind of alluded to earlier, but in spring training, he was actually pretty impressive. And that's kind of what put him on our radar. Because if you looked at what he did last year, I think in the DSL, or was it the GCL? He was, it was in the
0: GCL games. last year.
2: He wasn't very good. Um, you know, he missed some time with injury, and he didn't really hit at all. But in spring training, I mean, he was impressive. He had a home, he had a home run. And just, you know, in batting practice, he looked pretty good. Um, and he's someone who I can't say I saw what he's doing coming. The approach looks much better than what i anticipated given how raw he was um and he's hitting for power he's stealing bases Uh, i'm not sure he's a shortstop but he could be a second baseman and you know he's really closed the gap as you said um on the prospect status between him and his brother and he's gone from you know kind of an afterthought to someone who's now a top 30 prospect and looking forward to getting a first-hand look at him sometime this summer
0: I, I kinda like on our on our forum he got the nickname NAS Basabe for not a slouch. As in uh, you know, he's he's not Alejandro but he's not a slouch. I I kinda like that. That is pretty good. Yeah. Or or I think we've heard him called not just the other basabe. Not bad basabe anymore. No no, no longer the bad basabe. It's oh, really yeah. confusing,
2: because that's their parents' fault at the end of the day for naming <laughs> <Captain> <laughs> the, first, the same first name and the same first two letters of their last name, or the first three letters of their middle name.
0: Well, so, okay.
2: you know, hey, they, we, could, we need to differentiate
0: them somehow. At least the parents didn't let one of them fall into a gorilla pen. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't. Let's not go there. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, Matt, again, lightning round, uh, anybody in the back half, or not back half, back two-thirds of the list that you wanted to mention real quick
1: well sort of on the negative end but i just find it kind of a curious case for uh wendell reho who mm-hmm. dropped another six spots he's down from 22 to start the season he was even he's been a little bit higher than that even um and it's just kind of weird that you know he didn't he was pushed overly aggressively last season and um he was you know 19 I think he was the youngest player in the Carolina League at, at 19 in, in the uh in Salem last year and he, you know he ended up batting 260 324 381 so I mean nothing special there at all not not terrible by the end of the season he was able to bring it up but then to push him again to Portland this season and now he's batting 176 um it 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 just doesn't make a lot of sense and it it, it seems like you know, we've seen him, and he's not a guy who's high effort necessarily. Um, he's not a guy who sort of is a, is a great ex- example, you know, or, or is you know plays really hard or something that you think would be a guy they push aggressively. So I'm just not really sure what what kind of they're thinking there. And and he may end up, you know, I think as you've mentioned in the past, going back down to Salem if uh, if it went Moncada is promoted, assuming he doesn't really turn it around. So
0: you know, it's just it's
1: it's a real kind of head scratcher with him.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any question that he gets demoted when Moncada gets promoted. Uh, at this point, it, it's it's uh, again. You know, I think you may, you say it's curious that he's in Portland. I, I think it comes down to the presence of Moncada. Yeah, think I think he just got caught in the
2: numbers game. They yeah. want him to play every day, and Moncada. They frankly, Moncada. They invested more, and in, so he gets the priority when it comes to playing time.
0: Yeah,
1: and they, they don't I mean, want them they, splitting time. If they you know knew or had any inclination that he would be this play this poorly. I don't think that's that's good for him in any way. True. So some sort of yeah. rotation obviously. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. you
0: should mention he's he fell to number 34 this month and his line for the year um, this is crazy 176 236 250. Uh, his OPS is 486. He is striking out in only 22% of his at bats, but he's hitting the ball on the ground at a 55% rate. He's just it, it, you you look at the profile and it's poor contact. You know, he's only getting 19% of balls in the air. Um,
2: He's clearly overmatched. Yeah, he's clearly overmatched the level. He's very young for the level, though, too. I think, what, he's 20?
0: Oh, when he gets demoted, which I I think is a certainty at this point, it's not a death knell for him. It's not the same thing as Coyle getting demoted from Pawtucket to Portland, where it's just kind of like, okay, you're clearly now just another guy. Um, I think it puts him at an age-appropriate level. He's a guy you wonder almost if they should have tried to trade him in the offseason just for his own good. You know, get a guy of equal value that just plays a different position. You know, trade him for a team that's got too many outfielders and needs an infielder or something. Uh, you know, just for the player's sake, for, for the sake of your system, to be able to work guys in maybe a little bit more appropriately. I don't know. Um, not the kind of trade you see very often, but you just wonder. Uh, the guy that I'll bring up real quick, I, you know, only, if, if only because I said we would, is uh, Roniel Rautis. Uh, for a guy who's the second youngest pitcher in uh, the South Atlantic League, another 18-year-old. He did it again this month, had another great month. He, uh, in 25 innings pitched and five starts, uh, gave up 22 hits, three walks, 27 strikeouts. Uh, you know, the whip is was an even one for the month. Uh, you know, pitching more to a fly ball tendency. It's, you know, a .6 ratio, ground balls to fly balls. Um, for the season now, in 42 innings, it's 40 strikeouts to eight walks. As we've said a number of times before here on the podcast, the stuff doesn't blow you away. He's a much different pitcher than his teammate Anderson Espinosa, but uh, you know he, he's a finesse guy with good pitchability for his age. He's going to have to show it all the way up the ladder, but boy, is he is he showing it this year? Especially again considering how old he is. Um, Alex Speer had a great article the other day in 108 Stitches about him and Espinoza being two 18-year-olds in full-season ball. Who, you know, the Red Sox don't send 18-year-olds to full-season ball like this, and they're both not only holding their own but excelling really. Uh, it, it's going to be really exciting to see these two go up with very different ways of getting guys out, going up the ladder. He's intriguing to me. In, in the rankings this month, he jumped all the way up to number 23. He jumped four spots, and I think if he keeps doing this, you know, the guys ahead of him at this point are basically kind of the AA, AAA relievers, and, you know, Chandler Shepard, Ian Corey Pimentel, um, Occamy, Christopher Acosta, Kyle Martin, he's got that Crew ahead of him. So, He's really going to have, it, have to have another month like this, I think, to jump ahead of any of those guys. But again, you can only do what, what you can only get the hitters out there in front of you, and, and that's what he's doing so far. So, kind of exciting to me uh, to see that, uh, gentlemen. Anything I missed? Or are we good to wrap this one up? I think we did it. Uh, I think All right. we're good. Beautiful. Well, thank you to these guys for hopping on with me for, uh, with me uh, for this episode of the show, especially Ian, who just got back from basketball. Have you showered yet, or are you stinky, smelly? Uh... No, I did. I you did? did? Okay. Good, yep. good. You and dinner. Very you successful did. podcast. The, chi- the chicken satay. Yeah, it's a great, great episode of the podcast when Ian can eat dinner and, and shower beforehand. Uh, that's just successful life, really. Uh, I've got to get my behind to bed because I'm old. Thank you all for downloading. We appreciate it. Again, our next episode will be coming out Early next week, it'll be our draft preview with J.J. Cooper of Baseball America. So make sure you keep an ear out for that. Again, Geek. put in the code SP20 to get your 20% rebate on your first purchase using the Geek app. Uh, I, I forgot to say this at the top of the show, but thank you for to the Ludlow Thieves for our theme music for the show. Go find their stuff on iTunes. The links are in the description on the Sox Prospects news page. Uh, for the episode of the podcast you click through you see the link to their iTunes and Amazon pages uh, again you can find us on Stitcher you can find us on iTunes rate and review, it helps out the show a lot you can find us now on Google Play Music even if you use Google Play Music so plenty of ways to consume your podcasty goodness as well as the Sox Prospects news page for Matt, for Ian uh, actually real quick, on Twitter where can the people find you, Matt
3: At Matt Hegel, H-U-E-G-E-L. And Ian. At Ian
2: Cundell, I-A-N-C-U-N-D-A-L-L.
0: I am at S-P Chris Hatfield, that's C-H-R-I-S-H-A-T-F-I-E-L-D, just like the hot dogs. Thank you everybody for downloading. We'll be back at you really soon with our draft preview, so keep an ear out for that.